name's Kevin and welcome to the Patchwork Podcast, a fashion podcast where I talk to business people, entrepreneurs, insiders, and connoisseurs. We're going to be talking about passion, lifestyle, business, and everything in between. Hope you enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Patchwork Podcast for our second episode. Um, I'm joined today by a really good friend, Caleb Maurice. Uh, he's located in Vancouver and yeah, I'm really excited to talk to him. And Caleb and I go way back. Way back. I think we've known each other for what, like 14, 13 years, something like that. Yeah. And uh, Caleb was in my wedding party uh, we play in a band together. We went to uh, business school together. Um, so yeah, Caleb and I are pretty close and uh, know each other pretty well. So it'll be nice to talk to him about some stuff he's working on and um, just plans for the future and what he has going on right now too. So um, I guess... Definitely a lot going on for sure. Yeah. Caleb, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, I kind of just mentioned a little bit of our, of our background, but what's some some more stuff to you? I know there's lots of lots of depth. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, uh, so I guess my current position: work full time at a marketing agency and run digital advertising campaigns, uh, PR campaigns, and uh, do social media professionally. Um, also have a freelance photography business and do that on the side whenever jobs come up. But, um, yeah, my focus is on marketing at the moment. Sweet. Um, yeah, that's something I guess maybe we can talk about too is like photography and fashion. I didn't put that on our itinerary, but that's definitely a huge part of like the fashion world is photo and video, just how like things are, are displayed. So um, I remember when when you first started taking uh, like photos seriously, kind of like you were kind of the catalyst that got a bunch of us into taking photos. And back then, obviously, things were a lot different. People were doing like these crazy like filters for Instagram and stuff. And uh, I don't know if I'd consider it <laughs> photography, but yeah, yeah the iPhone four, yeah, iPhone four photography. That's that yeah. dude. That's what got me into taking photos. So, thank you. <laughs> no problem, dude. Good times. <laughs> it's changed a lot for sure. Yeah, I think yeah. very few of the people that we like. Well, uh, not necessarily, but like a lot of people that were like we talked to for like the gram stuff. I don't think really do photos that much like that seriously anymore i don't know maybe but whatever mm -hmm. it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah um so oh, what are what are some of your favorite hobbies to do and i guess i'm gonna add another question to that what were some of your fav favorite hobbies when you lived in alberta versus now some of your favorite hobbies that you live in vancouver mm, yeah that's a good question um 
Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of my hobbies carried over for sure. Moving out to Vancouver really uh, just increased the accessibility to a lot of the things that I really enjoyed doing. It's kind of a big reason why I wanted to move out. Um, just close to the mountains, get to shoot. Um, and uh, I love cycling as well. And honestly, the roads out here are, are pretty incredible. You can ride for like 20 minutes and be climbing up a mountain. So it's uh, it's pretty remarkable for sure. And so, yeah, I mean, photography, cycling. Um, yeah, I love fashion. Yeah, cool. love digging into that. Yeah. But. Uh, do the road conditions in uh, Alberta compare to <laughs> Vancouver? Oh, yeah. for cycling uh during the winter it's not a great time to cycle still um because there's so much just rain wet and cold yeah just so wet so cold um but i guess in comparison to to edmonton it's it's quite a bit nicer but yeah still yeah usually take a break for a few of the winter months but yeah i feel like when you're like you need to have like hobbies that one make you money, two keep you physically active. Yeah, I think those are like two really important things when you're like yeah. picking a solid hobby. You know, like I have photography, like I can kind of make money on the side doing that, mm -hmm. um, and then cycling and yeah, wake up in the morning, go for a ride, and get a workout in, and yeah, and just yeah, really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Definitely. I, uh, I, I forget who heard like talk about that, but yeah, hobbies that hobbies that make you money. That's a good one and get you, yeah, get you active. I think like my hobbies have always kind of revolved around like sports or physical activity. Um, but then in, I guess the later years of my life after high school kind of changed to be more like more creative which has been nice, but I still, like, still do a lot of physical activity stuff. So mm -hmm. I got I got a couple I, quarantine game changers recently. So um, I got a barbell and I just got a boxing bag from my parents. So okay, <laughs> I'm gonna be living as if there were no no quarantine. <laughs> Are you setting up in the parkade? Uh, no, just my parents' garage. Okay, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the cool thing about like flexing your creative muscles is as you like grow older and have different hobbies, you can integrate like that creativity into those hobbies. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's when something you're, that kind of like boxing, just stays with you. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Put your own flair on things. Mm -hmm. um, okay. I guess we'll, uh, we'll get right into it. First, before we get into the like meat of the podcast. I'm going to do some of the segments. So if you watched the first episode, um, some of the segments I'm going to be doing are fit check and top three brands right now and of all time. So Caleb, what are you wearing? What am I wearing? It's oh, like the dirty late night Got these text. AirPods. <laughs> yeah. What are you wearing, BB? Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah man i have to flex on you with these airpods <laughs> uh airpods, AirPods pro are what like can i say major accessory 
<laughs> yeah. Man, when I was in yeah, Europe, just so functional, so functional. It's true. I can't deny that. I'm not wearing them right now, but they are great. When I was in <laughs> Europe, it was like I'm not kidding you. It was actually like a fashion statement for people to to wear AirPods. They like everyone would like, especially all the younger kids, like 18, like 17, 18 year old kids in Europe. They'd have like one AirPod in at all times. Just like it was like the cool thing to do. <laughs> it was so funny. Dude, I can't do the one AirPod. No, I can't either. You can't do it at all. Yeah. <laughs> Unless I like need to, but I I never do. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That was re- it was really Even funny now. to see that. Even now, like walking around, I feel like an absolute dick. <laughs> with one AirPod. You're like, or no, with two AirPods in. You can, uh, you're like going to the grocery store, listening to a podcast, or listening to some music, and the person's like looking at you, like. <laughs> <laughs> You're like completely dismissive of them. Yeah. I'm not much of a in public like headphone person ever. Like mm-hmm. obviously the gym, but that's pretty much it. Like the gym and work is where I use headphones the most. Okay. Sweet. Fit check. What else? Yeah. What else for the fit check? This uh, Norse Projects hat. Nice. Very nice. All black. Dead cap. Um, it's that crisp white tee. Have some uh, blue jeans. Ooh, blue nudies. Nice. And that's it. I'm wearing socks. Yeah. I yeah. guess that's like what. So the fit check thing on this episode will probably never, on this podcast, will never include footwear. I've realized because in Canada, no one wears shoes in their house. But that's totally fine. <laughs> um, yeah. So it is what it is. What's your what's yeah. your go to like white t shirt? I have I have mine, but I want to hear what yours is. Mm, yeah, I usually I, bu- I bought a bunch from Cotton in nice. Vancouver. Sweet and uh, and so man, yeah, I need honestly. To get- I feel like my wardrobe is just like the same thing every single day. It's either like a black t shirt or a white t shirt or a gray one. <laughs> just the staples, yeah. That's all good. It's like, it's not even a, you don't have to make a decision in the morning. Yeah. When you're waking up, just throw on a t-shirt. <laughs> That's sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah, I need to get, I need to get some stuff from Cotton. I haven't. Um, Kurt from my work has a decent amount of their stuff. And our good friend Rowan also uh, works there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I've been paying more attention to them. In the past like couple of years and I, I just I haven't gone around to like buying anything from them but they're a sweet company I like really I really like what they're doing and it's all staples so you can't go wrong mm-hmm yeah, yeah. that's the thing like yeah all their entire line of clothing is all clothing that you need every single day yeah and they're doing it incredibly well yeah I checked out their it was like it was just before this quarantine stuff happened. I was on their website recently, and I was kind of like, um, I went beyond their like page with the clothes on it. So I went to the about section and started reading stuff. And then, man, it was set up so nice. It showed like their whole process of uh, of like making one of their like items or whatever. So it showed, and it was like really artistically done. They had all these like nice film photos of like. Uh, I think they get their cotton from Egypt, right? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's all Egyptian cotton. 
it showed like the Egyptian cotton farm and then it showed like some of the farmers like nice film photos of like these people and it explained the process and then there was like a, this crazy like integrated slideshow on their website that just like talked about how their brand works basically so um to everyone listening if you haven't checked out cotton go check them out uh they're a sustainable brand based out of toronto i think um and yeah so they use a lot of um i mean they use all sustainable manufacturing and it's just like really well made staple clothing that people need for everyday life so yeah, go check them out it's yeah, k-o-t-n really k-o-t-n yeah. yeah i think the remarkable thing about them is they know the people who are making the garments they know the people yeah. who are making the fabric all the way from yeah manufacturing the material to manufacturing the garments to in the consumer's hands so yeah it's uh kind of amazing the, the level of transparency that they're they're giving to their process yeah it's crazy it's I think the only other brand I've seen do that is uh, um, Everlane, which you showed me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's an interesting thing because a lot of a lot of brands actively try not to show where they're getting their clothing made, or like I've talked to other designers and everyone they're like hush hush about where they're like stuff's getting made. It says like made in LA but you don't actually know like the fact like you ask people like oh what factory is your stuff made at and like for some reason people have this weird thing where they like don't want to share where their like their clothes is getting made um so people I'm always super transparent with people where reborn stuff is made and it's yeah I think it's something more people need to do like I don't know why people think they can't share that information they're afraid they might totally. like give away their like secret or something. I don't know. It's just it's like a, yeah. a really weird like thing that I've noticed in the fashion world. But yeah, and at a lot of, a lot of like large companies as well. Like if you're working there, you're under like non disclosure contracts, and so yeah, it's, those I are guess. like trade secrets that you can't necessarily give away to other designers yeah. or other companies. And so yeah, that that's another thing. It. Yeah. I know another brand that I've really liked uh, and been interested in more in the most like past couple of years is um, Noah, like the skate brand from New York. Sweet. They're they're actually like getting really uh, focused on like making sustainable stuff and being really transparent about how like how their stuff is made, which is awesome. Because um, it's like first, well, it's a their brand as a whole is kind of weird because it lives in two worlds. It lives in the skateboard world, but it also lives in kind of the high fashion world. Um, so they're really unique in that way. But then they're also focusing like really heavily on on sustainability. So it's not every day you see a, a brand that like touches skateboarding, high fashion, and sustainability. It's pretty. It's pretty unique i guess mm -hmm. um okay is that uh, one so of your top right now top three brands oh i guess i didn't i didn't talk ask you that um mm, 
maybe it might be it's possible i don't think so though you're into you're into like the high designers right yeah um thanks for bringing that up again though what i guess yeah what are your top three brands right now and they don't have to be like high fashion or anything could be yeah could be i mean honestly i don't i'm not really into high fashion at all to be honest like yeah i think yeah the brands i love are make very technical gear yeah just clothing that's functional and will last a long time yeah and so um i mean yeah definitely arcteryx for sure that's a banger top three absolutely banger (laughs) um yeah oh man i've been really loving um yeah i mean patagonia as well yeah man i can drop like these outerwear brands (laughs) for sure um yeah it's it's just remarkable how they do business patagonia they've definitely changed they you kind of you've seen i don't know over the past like 50 years some of the largest companies um have been born out of um large changes in the the industry yeah so you see nike they kind of created the the uh the activewear market right patagonia in the same way created the outerwear market like they're the yeah. ones who yeah, yeah. created like having a base layer, having a mid layer, having an outer layer. They they're the ones who came up with that technology and to this day are still pushing that forward. I didn't know that. And so that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty nuts. The guy who started it, uh, Yvonne Corinard, he uh, he was like a climber back in the seventies and started it started making like climbing gear. <laughs> right. And they kind of grew out of that. So it started from like making gear that was like so functional, um, light and facilitated like their lifestyle. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. I mean, Arcteryx, Patagonia. Mm, I mean, yeah, cotton's definitely up there. Everlane is really cool. Um, yeah, I guess for technical gear, yeah I mean from a design perspective I'm really inspired by acronym yeah which is more high fashion yeah um but yeah their stuff is incredible yeah their stuff is crazy I think Gabe was telling me something like from ideation to like when the garment's made it's like something crazy like a two-year process or something like that really yeah (laughs) that's how like intense and complicated their their pieces of like there's jackets and pants or whatever they're making like that's how intense it is to make their stuff so yeah they're definitely a really cool brand and the functionality Mm -hmm. for like yeah it's like crazy but a lot of like a lot of the functionality for it's actually like super intense just like packability and all that other kind of stuff storage 
um, mm-hmm. both like storing like the jacket itself, but also the amount of storage like in the jacket, so pockets and stuff like that. They're they're pretty crazy for all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I love I love that like design philosophy where you're designing to create like the most functional gear. Yeah, functional clothing. Yeah, and, like optimizing it for comfort. Um, yeah. for different activities or for to be more functional as in carrying more things or just different areas of yeah yeah i think one of his um i don't know what you call it one of his like standards or whatever i guess is um like he has i think he has a karate background so uh if i feel like i heard it somewhere i'm not for sure don't quote me on this but I think if he like can't do like karate in it without feeling like uh restricted then he like doesn't use it or like makes changes to it or whatever so that's his like standard like if he can do karate in it comfortably that's like his sign of like a well-made product garment yeah yeah that's amazing which is like crazy because in karate or like martial arts you're moving like huge joints in your body in crazy ways your legs and your arms so like to make sure you're in com- like comfortable throughout that whole per- like whole process is i have gym clothes i wear when i go boxing that i'm not comfortable in so like imagine a jacket or pants you yeah know? yeah it's crazy um totally. cool so i guess that wraps up the segment section um yeah tell us a bit more about um akuna i guess uh if people don't know you um they probably don't know about akuna or maybe they do but um probably not <laughs> yeah tell us tell us about akuna what's the f- official name akuna rainwear right uh akuna just akuna just akuna sure, okay akuna. yeah um yeah so like what is it uh what's like i guess i guess what's the purpose that drives akuna Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, Kuna is a yeah. technical outerwear company, um, and so we're putting out a, a collection of rainwear later this year, um, which will be our first collection, but um, expanding past that in the future. But our mission was to empower individuals to disrupt the cycle of plastic pollution by creating functional and sustainable garments made from recycled plastic. So the entire line of, of garments is made from 100% recycled polyester fabric. So um, over the last year and a half, we, um, we researched and um, sourced fabric, technical fabric made from ocean plastic, um, sorry, ocean bound plastic. Um, and yeah, making an outerwear line out of it. So I guess the difference between, um, correct me if I'm wrong, the difference between ocean bound plastic and ocean plastic is that uh, just plastic that was like, hasn't made it to the ocean yet, but hasn't been like uh, disposed of properly, I guess. Yeah, so the the plastic that we're getting um, our technical fabric made from it comes from a recycling facility. And so, okay. yeah. And so when you're, 
when you're looking at ocean plastic, the problem is very big. Um, and it's difficult to, to reuse that plastic because um, once it gets in the water, once it gets in the ocean, it's a very harsh environment for that plastic. And yeah. so um, it degrades very quickly with the salt water and, um, and the waves. And so um, the level of functionality and performance that the, our garments need to, to meet, um, we, it's just not possible for us to, to use actual ocean plastic. Right. Um, and so we use plastic from our, our garment factory in, uh, in Taiwan, in China, and they source plastic from a local recycling facility. Nice. Um, and then on top of that, we're also doing a one for one model. So for every, uh, for every garment that we sell, we're pulling a pound of plastic out of the ocean. Sweet. That's with awesome. A, uh, yeah, with a a, uh, a not-for-profit partner. So when you buy an Akuna jacket, you are first of all you're preventing ocean or you're preventing plastic from getting into the ocean, which is obviously important. Um, and you're also actively taking plastic out of the ocean when you buy a jacket. Yeah, that's exactly. That's awesome. Yeah, so yeah fully encapsulating a solution to the problem. Yeah. Um, it was kind of the, the overall mission is to empower people to really disrupt the cycle of plastic pollution and take action on things that they're passionate about, things that they care about. Right. I think with like with ocean plastic and climate change, the problem is just so big that you can't, it's really difficult to feel like you have agency over the problem. Yeah. Um, and I think like fundamentally for anything to actually change, there needs to be a serious shift in our politics, economics or technology. And in order for politics and economics to change, like people have to people change those things. People have to care about it and feel like their personal decisions and their personal actions can move the needle on that. And so it seems like a very small thing to take action by a jacket, get like a pound of plastic pulled from the ocean. But um, in the larger sense, it's, it's empowering to people who don't necessarily feel like they can take action on that value. Yeah. But yeah. empowering them to, to have a greater impact and then kind of identify with as someone who takes action on that specific value so that they right. push the needle in politics. They push the needle in economics Yeah, by choosing to partner with brands that are aligned with their values. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Um, Cause like we were talking about earlier, uh, this wasn't on cam, but once like, like once, once you do that, once Akuna does that um, and once more people start doing that, that's going to affect you know, the standard that's going to affect the industry. And then on the other side of things, on the consumer side of things, once people feel that, you know, um, once they feel they've actually done something to actively make a change, it'll push them to do that in other aspects of their life. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, like you said, whether it's politics or 
you know, whatever, something that's important to them, it'll, it'll push them to like, okay, what's a way I can actually make a change in what I'm doing? Yeah, and I another thing is education too. I think that's another huge hurdle for seeing massive change is mm-hmm. educating people on what the problem is and why they should care about it. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And when creating a kuna, I wanted to make something that bridged that gap. Right. Um, how did a prairie boy from Edmonton, Alberta... Prairie boys. Care, come to create a brand that's like focused around the ocean heavily. Um, I guess I've, I've never really yeah. asked you about that even personally, but what kind of drew you to like make that connection? Like why wasn't it deforestation or why wasn't it, you know, like what drew you to the ocean plastic, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, after high school, I went out to, yeah, did some traveling, went to areas in Asia where this is a serious problem. Right. um, And saw the problem firsthand. And so 90% of ocean plastic comes from six countries. Yeah. That's a, it's pretty remarkable. So that's like China, the Philippines, Indonesia, um, Vietnam, uh, India. And one other, I can't remember the other, but, um, yeah, so I did some traveling, went to Indonesia and the Philippines with, uh, with a not-for-profit and really saw the impact of the problem there. And so in those countries, they don't have the same, uh, waste management infrastructure as we do here. And so in plastic, um, like people do, we consume with, uh, products with plastic and dispose of it, but there they don't have adequate solutions to recover that plastic from the ground or um, don't have a system to dispose of it. And so oftentimes that plastic goes on the ground and then when it rains, it gets pulled into the rivers close by and the rivers funnel it directly into the ocean. Right. And so, yeah, when I was like 19 years old walking in like the slums in Indonesia and the Philippines, I was just so shocked at like, the garbage in these rivers Um, and the proximity to the ocean was just shocking totally. And then not only that, like seeing kids like swimming in these, these bodies of water and communities like flourishing around, right. It was like pretty shocking. And so that was like where it really started for me personally. And, uh, yeah, knew that it was something that I wanted to pursue. That's cool. Yeah, I guess in the, uh, in the world that I really wanted to change. Yeah, a secondary effect of doing something like this is that in the long run, it will affect the communities in a positive way too, because it takes the plastic out. It like not only does it take plastic out of the like water bodies of water or prevents it from getting there, but takes it out of these communities as well. And um, I guess we can tie that into where you chose to manufacture your clothing and and why as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, so when I wanted to start a, a clothing company, uh, 
it was, yeah, first and foremost important that I chose manufacturing partners that um, have high ethical standards um, and meet specific requirements for um, social environmental standards. And mm-hmm. so um, did a bunch of research. Um, you know, Blue Sign, of course. Right. Blue Sign's a third party uh, certification method. And so yep. they have very stringent requirements for how um, how these manufacturers treat their employees, um, where the, the materials are sourced from, how they dispose of different chemicals in the manufacturing process. And, and so I started there um, searching for different manufacturers and found a few like very solid, solid partners um, that move forward with. So, yeah, yeah, it was important that I aligned well with different manufacturing partners that care about the vision of Akuna and care about sustainability and care about their personal environmental impact and societal impact. And so it's a, yeah. uh, the more that I've gotten into it, the more I've realized how difficult it is to find. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And even at the same time, like, yeah, at the core of it, the manufacturing partners that we're working with, they just care about money as well. Right. But they yeah, also they care about to make their profits and make their money. Totally. Yeah. Run their just business. like me. Yeah. 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 Definitely. But at the same time, they like, they care about the people who are, they're employing and they care about their life, their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess for those that don't know about blue sign, that's pretty hard to get, right? Like to become a blue sign certified company. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite difficult, and there's like a yearly uh, audit of your company. And so a Blue Sign representative goes to all these different manufacturers and has a big checklist where they go through and make sure that all their processes are being followed to a certain uh, requirement. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, yeah, and you have to. Is that just for manufacturers as well, or is it just. It's for manufacturers, it's for textile suppliers, it's for yeah. garment factories. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if, um, so that being said, how hard it is to be a Blue Sign um, certified company, I wonder, I don't know, but I wonder what Canadian companies' standards compare to to a blue sign company so a, fa- a factory like cyc in vancouver like how do their standards compare are they a blue sign i don't know um or arcteryx even um so yeah it's not just something that's easy to come by so it kind of shows i guess shows the detail of how much you care about the fabrics that you're using and the way that your clothing is being made totally yeah. And when you're dealing with manufacturers like in Canada, like Canada has great requirements. Yeah. They have their laws in place to ensure that workers are treated fairly and the environmental standards are being met. Right. But when you go overseas, especially because in the consumer supply chain 
for these for clothing. Um, you're getting materials from different factories in different countries with different laws, different systems. Yeah. And so because of that, it's it was so important to us to have this certification so that we can be 100% certain that our standards are being met. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, that was um, when it comes down to it, it's like the final the final customer is who we're we're speaking to. Yeah. That's why we're pursuing it this way. Is because that's what they care about. Yeah. That's what they need. Um and that's also the direction that we want to push the the fashion industry as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's something um for Reborn that was super important to us too is ensuring that the people that are making our clothes are treated well and um, doing our best to source responsible fabrics. Um, the second one's obviously the harder one, but I wanted to keep manufacturing within North America to ensure that employees' standard of living was, was good. Even then, you can't necessarily guarantee it. Um, I know some factories that were based in LA for big uh, there's like a big bust for Fashion Nova and they make some of their clothing in LA and uh, yeah, some of the working conditions for those factories were like terrible. But um, luckily I make my stuff here in Canada where stuff like that doesn't happen super often, if not ever. Uh, so yeah, I know and I've toured, um, I mean you've toured one of, our, one of the factories I get my stuff made at and then I've toured the other one. I haven't toured both. But um, it's nice to be able to do that and kind of see, it's like, okay, this is actually, like, is this somewhere I'd want to work? Is it somewhere that's, like, workable and, like, has everything these people need, you know? Um, So, yeah, it's definitely something that is changing. And I think sustainability is no longer, like, a buzzword. It's just something that we're going to have to get used to. And companies, like... A lot of big companies haven't really been putting too much effort towards it, um, but they're going to have to. I think it's going to come to a point where uh, they're going to have to or they're going to, like, fail. And, you yeah. have, like, we've already seen that with uh, some fashion brands, like Forever 21. They shut down, like, however many stores this last year. Um, so, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely see a huge opportunity in the market, especially right now. Yeah. Um, I think like fashion is a reflection of society. Like fashion moves as societal focus shifts. Mm. And over the last five years, it's shifted so much towards climate change. And as the problem gets worse, as the effects of climate change get more visual and more in your face, it's only going to be a bigger problem and a bigger, uh, a bigger requirement from consumers, I think. For sure. And so, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, like sustainability has become a buzzword. Like green clothing is like a buzzword. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. you see like brands like H and M trying to reposition as sustainable yeah. brands. Yeah. Right. Like, but I think when, yeah, Customers like consumers can see that though. Yeah, they thing. can see right. It's like that. 
you can see right through that as greenwashing for sure. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, for me, when starting Akuna, I wanted to create something that right from the very beginning, right from the core to the center of who this company is, what this company is, what we believe in, um, is focused on that Mm -hmm. and, and perfectly aligns with people who believe in, in that. Right. So, yeah, but it's at the same time, there's almost a pull in me, um, away from it because fashion, like it's designed to, it's designed around consumerism. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like that's fashion wants uh, us to be buying all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's something I definitely struggle with too. Um, it's actually portrayed in our kind of, uh, positioning statement on our website but talks about how uh like reborn talks about being reborn every day but still succumbing to our human nature and i think part of human nature is consuming is just like you know naturally just wanting more things and um yeah so there's definitely a balance between fighting is like a need and a want and it's very very present within the fashion world um Mm -hmm. so yeah i think that's why it's important to make clothing that lasts a long time and why uh it's important to make clothing that's sustainable so yeah Mm -hmm. totally yeah that's really the only the only parry to that right yeah yeah like making clothing that lasts a long time Right. When I buy clothing, I wear it for five years mm-hmm. more. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just, yeah, that's why I don't know the whole, I'm also torn about, um, torn about like the high fashion world as well. Like yeah. it kind of, it kind of makes me sick watching fashion shows. Um, yeah, just because of like the, yeah, just the way that it's intrinsically trying to make consumers feel like they need more mm-hmm. than what they have. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's. Yeah. Yeah. I don't um, know that's um. Yeah. See, because I see, I I I can definitely see that side. I also see the, the perspective of fashion shows being like an art form um and obviously it depends on the brand that's doing a fashion show right but i yeah i really enjoy watching um fashion shows because of how artistic they can be and a lot of times these these brands aren't even they're making like runway only clothing right that's just like super crazy like technical clothing that doesn't ever hit stores it's just like a way to like flex their creative muscle and show off um, something that's relevant to the collection and what they're trying to communicate. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, even the fact that there's, you know, like four seasons a year and there's brands that are trying to fit a fashion collection into every season of that year. Um, that's, yeah, that's kind of the consumerism you're talking about. And those fashion shows ultimately drive that. So, yeah. 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 
I'd, I'd hope to see the industry move towards quality over quantity. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely see, I mean, one of my favorite designers, Jerry Lorenzo, um, he, in a lot of his interviews, has made statements about how he doesn't, so he's never participated in um, any of the fashion weeks. He'll attend, but he's never done a fashion show. And he also doesn't participate in the fashion calendar. So he is actively working against like two of the biggest things in the fashion world, but has become one of the biggest like names in fashion and in the high fashion world. So um, hopefully he starts to influence more people to do the same thing. Uh, I think he has already. Um, I mean, he influenced us. That's something like that's something we didn't want to do. Is uh, I'm not against fashion shows per se, but working in line with a fashion calendar, obviously, you have to pay some sort of attention to it. Um, just in regards to the clothing you're making and how it's relevant to weather. Um, but besides that, I think it's yeah, working like not working by a fashion calendar and having those set times to release clothing, I think is something that will benefit the fashion industry in the long term and hopefully more people start doing it. So Yeah, that's cool. So you took I guess you already talked touched a bit on the like what um got you interested in the ocean plastics and what started that whole um purpose towards Akuna. Uh you also did a business trip for Akuna, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where did you go? Yeah. Went to Vietnam. Okay. I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. I was texting you before. I was like, Vietnam. But I, was, I didn't remember actually where you ended up going. So, um, yeah. Tell us a bit about that, if you don't mind. Yeah. So, we actually ran a, a crowdfunding campaign, like you know, in uh, in November of last year. Yeah. Uh, didn't get fully funded, but it was moderately successful. And so... In preparation for for that, we wanted to um, go to Vietnam, meet our manufacturing partners, um, ensure that the standards were being met that um, that we were told, and uh, just meet the people who are behind the product that we're making. And right. uh, and so that was really important to me. Yeah. To to be able to put a face and have that face to face connection with the. Uh, with the people who are functionally making the garment. And so, cool. yeah, so that was a kind of a core element of our Kickstarter campaign as well. Um, mm-hmm. And so we, we went down, I uh, went with uh, my friend Nathan. Yeah. And uh, we uh, brought a red <laughs> to Vietnam, took it on the plane and, uh, and filmed a crowdfunding video there. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so the major points of the, of this business trip were one to meet our manufacturing, manufacturing partners, but two see the problem that we're trying to solve as well. Right. Cause Vietnam is one in top one of the top five countries responsible for 90% of the world's ocean plastic. Right. And so we wanted to go there, go to the rivers that were, um, at the center of the problem of the global ocean plastic issue. Yeah. And so, so that's what we did. 
we, uh, we kind of blitz for five days, um, got picked up right from the airport from our manufacturing partners and, uh, toured the facility, had some, yeah, business meetings, negotiations. And then, um, and then we, we went off to the, to the coast. That's sweet. And so that's a, yeah, it's really cool opportunity, especially since before you even, well, not before you started, but before, um, actually like releasing anything you were able manufacturing. to before releasing anything you were able to um i guess meet and do like do a business trip basically i haven't even had the chance to do that yet so that's really <laughs> cool um i remember seeing like the the footage you guys got and the pictures and everything of some of the the beaches in vietnam and uh they were just like covered in plastic. It was like you couldn't even see their sand. Yeah. Oh man. It was it was crazy. Yeah. Um, just heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. You go up yeah. Uh the coastlines, like as far as your eye can see, just covered in plastic waste. Was that everywhere? Is there like anywhere where you could actually go to the beach and just swim? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So the, the beaches that we were at, they're very close to large, um, large bodies of people. So, okay. um, there was a large city like close by to a lot of the, like all the rivers that funnel plastic into the ocean have major cities associated and directly attached to these rivers. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely like tons of beautiful beaches in Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah, it's tons interesting because you go to somewhere like, I don't know, I was in Barcelona this summer and we could like, you could walk the beach for like ever. So it's like, is there a place where that there isn't just like a lot of people that is just like covered in plastic that no one sees? Like, is, is that something that's yeah. common, like in all coastal countries? Um, yeah, there's, there's a bit of both. I think yeah. like I was in Bali and you see Bali's like pretty hot right now. Lots of influencers out there doing their thing. Oh yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, you see photos of beaches, just like pristine, beautiful sand, amazing waves, like palm trees, it all. Um, but when I was in Bali, like the only beach I went to is right like in, inside the city and it was like covered in waste, yeah. covered in plastic waste. It's crazy. Um, and you wouldn't like to the extent where you wouldn't even want to go into the ocean because it's so dirty. Yeah. There's like garbage like coming up <laughs> from the ocean. Yeah. It's just insane. I know like and so I've been in a body of water before and you're like swimming and you get like plastic on you. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it's happened to me yeah. before. Or like a you're in a pool and you like see a bandit and you're like, oh like now imagine oh, yeah. that like times <laughs> like a million more yeah, than a, like that'd be so disgusting can yeah. i yeah i can't even imagine that totally yeah so when we went to vietnam like we wanted to see the problem at its worst um and be able to capture that in like a very visceral sense um and then but we also like not only do we do we find like that plastic we also found a movement of local people who are passionate about disrupting the cycle of that nice as well and so That's we sweet. also met 
met with a few NGOs um, that were that work to educate communities about recycling, the importance of like waste management mm-hmm. and also fund like, uh, and also do local cleanup initiatives right? where it's needed most. Sweet. And so it's kind of, it's a tough situation because they can't control the waste management infrastructure. Like that's, that's from the top down. Like that yeah. needs to be fixed by the government. Yeah. Um, but in a lot of times, like all these nations, a lot of these nations are impoverished and right. don't have the, the funds to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also in talking with them as well, like there's also a lot of corruption in the governments there. Yeah. And so that has a large part to play with um, where money's directed to. Yeah, for sure. And so. Yeah. Yeah. But it was also, it was just so inspiring to see people who care so much about the issue and are actively trying to disrupt the situation there. Yeah. That's sweet. Uh, yeah. I'm just going to finish that off, but, um, that was the overarching purpose of that trip was just to meet the people who are going to be an important part of this venture. So, yeah. Um, I guess that covers pretty much everything that we are planning to talk about. We already talked about what we think the future of fashion will be or what we hope it will be. So, um, if people want to check out Akuna and you, uh, where can they find all that stuff? Yeah. If you want to find Akuna, we're, uh, AkunaOceans.com and, uh, Akuna Oceans on Instagram. Uh, that's A-K-U-N-A and, uh, my name's Caleb Maurice, and uh, that's my Instagram handle. <laughs> CJ Moore. CJ Moore, yeah. Caleb Maurice, the um, king of see-through biking leggings, zip-off pants, dad caps, <laughs> swooning all the ladies. I'm telling you, only the functional garments out here. Being one of the chillest, <laughs> nicest people I know. Dude, much love. You know? Much love. Dude, it was awesome talking to you. Good talking to you too. Thanks for. This has been a while. It's I know. A long hour. Yeah. Thanks for joining me. Um, no I guess we'll wrap it up here then. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Go check out Caleb's stuff. Go check out Akuna Oceans, and tune in for the next episode. See ya.